Welcome to Buffalo Camp Day Recap. Bill's camp at St. John Fisher is all done, and we are going to wrap the whole thing up. I'm Thad Brown with A.J. Feldman and Carl Jones, bringing the whole staff in to shut this thing down. Last day at camp was unusual. It was pretty clear, I think, that a lot of the starters aren't going to play on Saturday because the first team drills were darn near full go today, like 98% full go. And then the second and third teams were barely half speed. I don't even know why they bother wearing pads today. So I think the, the first team guys probably not playing on Saturday. The second team, third team guys being saved to play on Saturday. Won't get into that too much. Um, but what I want to do is kind of go over the entirety of camp. What we saw from the Bills, what surprised us, what disappointed, what's encouraging. Let's start with the offense. And, you know, I'll say this. My overall take of the offense was where the heck was the real Bills offense? Because we didn't see it much in this camp. Today's practice, another example of that. Um, Josh Allen ended the first team drills with a really nice touchdown to Isaiah McKenzie. Other than that, it was ugly. There was an underthrown ball to Gabriel Davis that turned into an interception. Overall, for the last three weeks, the Bills had a really good day in the stadium and one other good day. And outside of that, the offense was somewhere between below average and outright terrible. And, and look, it's camp. The defense is supposed to be ahead. I'm not concerned, but wow, it was consistently not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, if any side of the ball was going to have those questions, it was going to be the offense. Obviously, Ken Dorsey yeah, coming in, point. Brian Dable. And we just still have those questions. You know, we're not going to make sweeping judgments about training camp, obviously, because this is Josh Allen. This is the Buffalo yeah. Bills. It's nothing. But those questions that we came into training camp with are still questions. What Ken Dorsey, you know, the new system, things like that. We still don't know. No super promising signs. The offensive line, new pieces coming in. They finally got healthy. Still a big question mark. So I think the big thing about camp is that we came in with questions. We still have those questions. Yeah, nothing was really answered so far. And a lot of the questions I believe that we had, one was answered, though. I think that slot position yes. with Isaiah McKenzie, I think he kind of took that job by the horns and, and has it. But also today, Jamison Crowder kind of made some plays to, you know, put himself back in the little bits where it's not Isaiah McKenzie by himself, 100% of the reps. Had a nice little slant route that he took for, like, 55 yards, so like, down in the goal line. So it was a four-player race in the beginning. One of the players is um, has tightness the past couple of days, and we don't. Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin, yes, and then uh, Khalil Shakir. You know, up he was up in the beginning of camp, not so much of late. And Isaiah McKenzie has just been consistently good this entire way. AJ, give me your take from the offensive camp, the thing that kind of stuck out to you through these three weeks. Honestly, I think it might be McKenzie because, yeah. um, you know, this, you know, he he was a guy last year. Obviously, Cole Beasley came out. He had the good game against the Patriots, but still, after that, you know, that moment. It was still the Cole Beasley show. So mm -hmm. would they try and give the job to McKenzie? Would he earn it? And I think he really did uh, solidify that. You know, Jamison Crowder, like you said, obviously did come into his own a little bit. Um, but I think Isaiah McKenzie, I think we might know where we stand with the receiver position. Um, and, and we did get an answer there, I think. I think Crowder still has a chance. You know, he's been mixed in on first team reps a lot the last few days. Um, he was one of the guys that played first team and did not play second, third team. So I don't think we will see him on Saturday. So the door is still open for Crowder, maybe even a little further than you'd think, as good as McKenzie's been in this camp. But I agree with you guys. I think this is McKenzie's job to lose. Let's move over to the defensive side and look at the offense wasn't good. It's in part because the defense was good, and it was. Um, Ed Oliver, if he does what he did in these three weeks for the rest of his career, he's going to go straight to Canton away from Buffalo because he was as dominant as it gets. It wasn't just him, though. You know, I thought Greg Rousseau had a better than expected camp. Not great, but better than expected. Um, you know, and I think Tremaine Edmonds made a few more splash plays, the thing that we've been looking for out of him his first few years in Buffalo. So uh, up front uh, with the front seven, I think generally pretty good. You know, the other pass rushers, uh, Epinesa, Boogie Basham, didn't see a whole lot. 
Von Miller was Von Miller, you know, no surprise there. But I think overall, this front seven to me really stood out as if you want to take a, a larger group of camp, maybe more than one position group, and say these are the guys who did the best, to me it's the front seven. Yeah, you talk about the offensive line and people coming in and out and in and out. You know, we're not super concerned about it. It's still training camp. We would be concerned if the defensive line and the linebackers mm -hmm. couldn't dominate against these offensive linemen they were throwing out. You yes. know, you know, you mentioned Ed Oliver on his way to Canton. If he's playing against Bobby Hart and David Questenberry every day, uh, I think he's got, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got a pretty right good job. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the offensive line certainly down, and like you said, the defensive line able to rise up and, uh, you know, take advantage and make some good plays so far in training camp. Or in training camp. Now, injuries are never a good thing. Obviously, you want your guys to be as healthy as possible, but the coaches were able to see some of that depth in the secondary. I mean, mm -hmm. we expected that there would be a battle at corner with Trey White being out, Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, and up late, Christian Benford's been making some plays. He made another play uh, in the end zone right here, getting in the way of Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen uh, connection uh, right in front of us. You see some depth with him, Nick McLeod, you know, kind of cross-training a little bit between corner and safety. Mm -hmm. I'm not recommending that the Bills ever lose their three all-pro all pro players, yes. but I believe they have – The two safeties. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I believe they have starter replacement players that can, you know, in a pinch, you know, a little bit help out a little bit in that regard. And I was very impressed in that because as a DB, come on, you guys. You know I'm over there yeah. looking. I'm analyzing that stuff. I really don't know what I'm looking at with Tremaine Evans. I just know that he's tall and he can make plays. Yeah. But with those DBs, I do know what I'm looking at, and those guys had a very impressive camp. And we'll see on Saturday against Matt Ryan against those starters – see if they can make some plays. It was a, a thing this camp because you had a lot of reps in this camp where Poyer, Hyde, and White were all not on the field, which has been unheard of, you know, with the Bills since the three guys came together in 2017. So an opportunity for sure. And, and I don't think we really saw a safety that kind of stood out to me. Um, but McLeod, I had a good camp, and Benford too. Um, either you guys, a defensive take, something you, you took from this camp and were either surprised at, disappointed at, any of the, any of the above. I think I'd probably say Christian Bedford. I mean, this yeah. was a guy that, you know, people might have even forgot that they drafted him. I mean, this is a late-round corner. You know, obviously, Kyrielum gets the attention. Mm -hmm. First-round dude from Villanova, end of the draft. And now, you know, you know, I saw Brandon Bean, like, shout him out on a, on a hit. Um, and this is a guy who legitimately seems to be in this cornerback competition. Whether or not they decide to go, you know, the, the safe route, you know, the guys who have played before. But, but Christian Bedford went from a guy – you know, destined for the practice destined squad. for the practice yeah. squad, like you said, ever since that tweet, he, he saw yes. it, it lit a fire under him. And uh, <laughs> Somehow, like immediately <laughs> last Tuesday, I tweeted that I hadn't seen him much in practice at all. And this is a guy that's like earmarked for the practice squad. From that moment, he's been taking first team reps and looking pretty darn, darn good doing it. And it makes sense. You know, it's one thing for a guy that, you know, went to a big SEC school or whatever to, you know, break out as a, seventh, right as, yeah. as a seventh mm -hmm. round guy, you know, it'd be like, OK, how did all 32 teams let this guy get to the seventh round. But a dude from Villanova, yes. you know, maybe they got a gem here late in the draft. Ed Oliver. I mean, come on. I understand that when yeah. Von Miller got here, we were all focused on the young defensive ends, you know, Rousseau, Basham, and, and Epinesa. But Ed Oliver, down the stretch last season, he was, you know, peaking, and he picked up right where he left off. I don't know if he's getting fed some of that same gasoline and gunpowder <laughs> that Von Miller's uh, giving to Greg, but he had an awesome camp in that day where he literally – took the defense off the field. Sean McDermott was like, look, hey, y'all got to go because we can't get anything productive going on offense, and that's going to stick in my head. I get it. Second-team offense, but like I've said, you're supposed to dominate those in front of you if they're, like, lesser than you, and he did just that. So I'm excited to see if he can continue to progress in that way.
heading into week one. Speaking of continuing, this was the first year for camp back at St. John Fisher after being gone the last two years due to COVID. It's a one-year contract. No guarantee the Bills come back next year. Sean McDermott talked about the future of training camp today, and as he has since the moment he's arrived in Buffalo in 2017, reading between the lines, it sounds like he wants to be back pretty confidently. He wouldn't go all the way to say that the Bills will be back. He did kind of laugh at the idea that even ever since he's been here, people have thought the Bills are going to leave. But again, express confidence and appreciation for what the people at Fisher did for the Bills the last few weeks. You know, I would love to come back next year. Uh, I think uh, it's great for our organization in a lot of ways. And, and, and uh, you know, this is, like I said before a few minutes ago, it's, uh, it's a first-class operation up here, and, and we're treated the right way. And, and uh, it's a chance also for us to connect with with our fans uh, around this area as well. I know even my first year here, I think you, you, the the uh, the narratives were out there. You know, McDermott doesn't like going away to camp, or doesn't like this this location, that location. Uh, I love this location, and I love going away to camp. So. Um, you know, we'll just take it one year at a time. McDermott was also asked about the idea of maybe the Bills would alternate camp between Rochester and Buffalo every year. And one thing Sean said to that was he values the consistency his team gets. So again, you want to read between the lines with Sean McDermott. It sounds like camp is coming back to Rochester. And the thing I tell people all the time, because I get asked this question almost you know, every single summer, the Bills have had 100 opportunities to leave Fisher if they wanted to. And every single time they come back. I don't know now, after having the COVID opportunity to separate this um, connection, why they would choose to do it next year. I think camp is going to be at Fisher as long as Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are running the team. Those two guys have been very good at finding guys under the radar, guys you don't talk about a lot. Let's talk about this now. From this camp, give me your players that kind of were under the radar, whether in a good or a bad way, um, that either surprised you, uh, you know, opened your eyes you didn't expect. I'll start with uh, a guy I, I liked on offense, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think Bobby Hart had a decent camp. I know. Those years, Bills Mafia. We got some I Bobby think, Hart compliments. I think Bobby Hart was okay. Now, look, the guy got all kinds of time because all the injuries at guard. And, again, I'm, I'm grading this on the Bobby Hart scale. Okay, he was good for Bobby Hart. But, look. Bobby Hart has been a fixture as uh, one of the top reserves of this camp. I think right this second, if it came down to him, him and Cody Ford to make the team, I think Bobby Hart's making the team. And I can't believe I'm saying that about a guy the Bean regime traded up to draft. He's been okay. It's been a week and a half. It's camp. You know, it, it's not anything close to him lining up against Aaron Donald in week one. But again, I think right this second he's on the team, and it's not because the Bills have blinders on or he has pictures of somebody hidden somewhere. It's because he's been okay in camp the last couple of days, weeks or so. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what he does in preseason. It's tough for a reserve lineman to get this much notoriety in Bills Mafia. Yes. And that's because of how bad he's been in the yeah. preseason. It has been, you know, if Josh Allen is somehow behind Bobby Hart, Something has gone wrong. That is how dangerous yes. it's been for the quarterback behind Bobby Hart in preseason to just exist. So we'll see if he actually does it in the preseason against people who want to harm his quarterback. Give me a guy, Jay, who's on your mind. I'm going to go with Cam Lewis. You know, the quarterback, cornerback position obviously in flux with Trey White. And Cam Lewis was the guy who had played in the regular season. He's, mm -hmm. he's been with the Bills. He's made some plays. So this was the guy, if you were going to pinpoint one of these depth cornerback guys to certainly – not being a lock to the roster, but a guy who you would highlight, be like, okay, you know, we've got, you know, this Christian Benford kid, we've got Nick McLeod, well, we've got Cam Lewis, he's played before, like, yeah. this is going to be our yeah. guy. I think he's he's fallen definitely down that depth chart to the point where, you know, he's probably on the outside looking in at this point, he needs a strong preseason to kind of get that status back that uh, I think he had coming into training camp. Kyle, give me a guy in your mind. 
Oh, man, I was so excited when Ken Dorsey talked this all, whole offseason about 12 people, or at least it was speculated that would be the case with the addition of O.J. Howard. And I'm not going to lie to you, there were a lot of days where I forgot he was even on the team. And I know we were all excited, you know, the Alabama pedigree, you know, being a first-round pick. But, man, like what we saw in Tampa Bay seems to be kind of truth. I mean, I, no splash plays to a certain extent and a lot of drops at key situations I thought that were kind of gimmies. So it, from my perspective, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, I don't think you should do 12P for the sake of doing 12P. Do you want to just take Isaiah McKenzie right. or Jameson Crowder off the field just to have a bigger body out there who's, you know, a, a less of a blocker than a tackle but can't catch like McKenzie? So I was very disappointed. I was excited to see, you know, the Bills diversify their offense a little bit, you know, help out Josh Allen with different looks. And to this point, O.J. Howard hasn't shown me that they are, should be able to do that, you know. That is the, the – the drawback of having versatile guys or having versatile offensive packages in this case just because you're the you know jack of all trades doesn't mean you're the master of any just because you can run a lot of different formations doesn't mean it's the better thing for you and OJ Howard has done little in this camp to make it feel like he's a good idea to have him on the field a guy that I was kind of down on surprisingly especially the way he started is Kyrie Elam you know and and his first few days he was um, aggressive he was not afraid he was physical but I think the book on Elam has become if he gets his hands on you he's got you but if he doesn't, he's chasing and he's hosed. And even today, you know, he, he created an interception, um, but it was a play where Gabe Davis, yeah, Gabe Davis had beat him. <laughs> yeah, well, there's two. There was one, there's a back shoulder play where he down near tackled Davis as he's trying to go back shoulder and called a flag. The interception, Davis was beat. I didn't think Elam got flagged only because the timing of him catching up to being beat and the ball arriving was so perfect that it wouldn't be a flag. Yeah. But, you know, Micah Hyde was generous when he said, yeah, I think Elam got his head around. No, he didn't. No, he the didn't. ball I hit him right, pretty much. I, I was yeah. right there. It yeah. hurt. It hurt. Like, you know, you know what hurts for me to talk about my DBs like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I was a PI. I was a PI. Yeah. So, I mean, and even if it wasn't a flag, it was an accidental deflection. So, look, Elam has got a lot of work to do. You've talked about it a little bit, Carl. You know, this is a guy that has the physical skills. It's about trusting the technique because, you know, when, when as you've said, when you play DB, you're supposed to use your feet. When you get beat with your feet, the grabbing stuff is the oh crap move, you know? So he's got to figure out how to get better with the feet and the physical skills are there. I mean, he's physically gifted. I mean, every time he walks off the field, I'm like, you're bigger than everyone out here outside of Gabe Davis. So it's right. like, trust your feet, trust it. And I, it baffles me sometimes because I saw the tape at Alabama where he played Jamison Williams, the most athletic person he played all year. And we saw that same film. Mm -hmm. He's trusting the feet and out here, He's going against guys who aren't nearly as athletic, and he hasn't done so so far. But we've talked about it a little bit. Maybe when he gets to practice away from all the fans and all the notoriety, maybe he'll trust his technique a little bit more. I don't know if that's too promising of news, considering on Sundays it's going to be a lot more than just this. But he just needs to get back to the basics and just trust his fundamentals. He will get a few weeks of just practice without fans every single day showing up to watch him. Any more guys, either of you, that uh, stuck out at all? I'd kind of say the backup quarterbacks, Case Keenum and Matt Barkley. You know, Matt Barkley has been this, or he's been in the organization in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, a similar system. Case Keenum obviously been around the block, and we. I remember your training camp uh, preview on the quarterbacks. You're like, there's no weakness. We got the you know, the best backup quarterbacks yeah. in the league. Things like that. I mean, Case Keenum didn't really show me a lot to be like, wow. If if Josh Allen, you know, you know, sprains something, is out for three or four weeks, they're gonna be totally fine. Yeah. I never really got that vibe. We'll see what happens in the preseason, but. Um, you know, it's a backup quarterback. They're not going to set the world on fire, but I think I'm a little less confident in who's behind Josh Allen than I was a couple weeks ago. I wonder how much of that is a trickle down from the first team. You know, when you're playing second team linemen on the first team, third team linemen on the second team, the, the whole offense did not look good, and the injuries in the O line uh, certainly did not hurt. 
Any more guys, Carl? No, you all said? I was just that bummed about OJ Howard, to be honest. I'll give, I'll give you one. You know, we, we've been a little bit on the negative side with this. I'll give you one I really thought was a surprising positive. Isaiah Hodgins, you know, a guy that, you know, for two years came in. You know, when he was drafted two rounds behind Gabriel Davis, we went to camp, I remember, with an inkling that maybe Hodgins might be the better of the two players. And since then, Hodgins has been a non-factor. The last week and a half of camp, he's been really good. And on a team that doesn't really have a lot of outside options beyond Diggs and Davis. Granted, you know, look, uh, Crowder can play outside if he has to. McKenzie can play outside. But your more prototypical outside receiver, there is a path to Isaiah Hodgins making this team. And he's done really well, you know, to put himself in position to be that guy, maybe over Jay Kumaro or maybe with Jay Kumaro. So I've been impressed. And I think, you know, I think you guys will agree, what he does in the preseason is going to go a long way towards whether or not he makes his team. And you talk about a path to making the roster. If he does make that roster, there's a, an easy path for him to get serious playing time. Yes. You know, you've just got Diggs and Davis. If one of those, those guys gets hurt, you know, obviously, you know, Jake Kumaro might be on the roster for special teams duty. But if I need a guy out there catching passes. Hodges the guy. So far, yeah. it's Isaiah Hodges. I totally agree. Hey, he stood out just because he's making splash plays. I mean, I can get anybody out there to just, you know, make the normal, like, blocking assignments and run a route. But he's making plays that stand out. I know Frazier talked about with Benford and why he's getting more playing time is because of the splash plays. So, He's making a couple catches, especially in the scrimmage on, not scrimmage, the practice on Friday yeah. and then a couple of practices here where I'm like, oh, all right, this, this is why you're in the league, my man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the fixtures, of course, at camp is Josh Allen signing as many autographs as his tired right hand can carry. Um, and again, that was a thing. He was great. So Josh Allen today uh, talked <laughs> extensively with the media. We might have been kind of bored ourselves and ready to get out of here. But uh, extensively about his autograph strategy, had some funny lines. It was an interesting conversation. We're going to show it to you right now. I try to sign just for the kids, you know, and I try to. There, there's some you hate to you hate to see it, and you know it. And like there's some that you can tell that's not their item. That so it is what it is. Um, but I, I pick out the kids, and I, I do apologize to the adults. But kids are, you know, what what kind of make this go. I remember being that kid and. You know, that's where I'm at with it. Case. I skipped right by him. You saw it. I didn't care who he was. He was a, he was a grown man. I was skipping him. Dawson's neck. Yeah, he, he's a child still, too. Does your forearm or hand ever get like, you're like, man, I've got Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. What's the craziest thing you signed? Let's keep it going. That's a great question. Yeah. The craziest thing I signed? I don't know. I signed a couple of baseballs. I think that's kind of weird. Um, it wasn't anything outrageous this this camp, but it was a good time. Just about any topic that you can have with Josh Allen is a good time, and uh, he did not disappoint for a lot of this camp. Also talking about the fact that he needles uh, offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, whose college record is 38-2. and two. Josh says, yeah, I tell him all the time, Coach, you were 36-4 and four in college, right? Dorsey's like, hey, 38-2. and two. You know, clearly it gets under his skin a little bit. So Josh, um, getting under people's skin, very good at that. Camp is over now. Um, for me, this is camp however many they've had here because I've been to all of them. For you guys, it was the first time you experienced the full force of Bills camp from the inside and the out. AJ, I'll start with you. Just give me your impressions of what it's like to have the Bills here, have the fans here in the whole environment. You know, you, you hear, you know, we like going to go in a training camp because it's good for the kids. It's good for the fans. It's Rochester, things like that. And I'd never really seen, you know, the full onslaught of, you know, the autographs, the, the screaming and the yelling and the people, you know, lining up, you know, yelling people's names. It was a really fun environment to be in, that's for sure. Um, you know. 
just seeing you know the joy on the kids' faces when they see this. You you, you get the cool stories. You find you know nice things. Um, who, who's getting signed? Things like that. So just a great experience for the fans and and to really see it. You can see why they like coming here to uh, to Rochester. Um, it's it's certainly different. Um, it's a it's a different experience for the kids than they normally get, and um, I just think it was a great uh, experience overall. I mean, especially for the kids who may not be able to afford the game on Sunday. So mm -hmm. this is their opportunity to see these guys up close and personal, like really up close. I mean, these players are walking right up to them, they're walking right past them. So I thought that was very cool. But you know, it wasn't cool though. I still haven't gotten a turkey burger yet. <laughs> so Micah High, Trey White, all y'all have been talking about these turkey burgers, Josh Allen. I'm still mad. Fisher, y'all done a great job, nine out of 10. But I'm docking y'all a point because I still haven't gotten one. There is one more lunch we're going to go to in a minute here. You, you, so y'all better have that when I go up there because <laughs> I am starving and I need one of those, okay? We, we might have to edit this thing in post. Yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> All right, before we uh, say goodbye, um, there is one guy that is somewhere around here. I'm going to try and hook up with him later. Abdul Bounds. He's a security guard who's been here for years, and I want him to stop by and give his thoughts on camp, and we're going to show you that right now. I'm joined by Abdul Bounds, one of the integral members of the sports staff here at Fisher. How many years have you been doing this? I know it's been a long, long time. It's been here about 12 years now. 12 years. So, I mean, this is about as expert a camp uh, support guy as you're going to get, uh, one of the management guys now. And Abdul, as someone who's been here, you've seen different coaches, different players. Kind of what has it been like to see the different Bills players and what has it been like from your end to deal with them, you know, from not so much a lot of people are fans or media. You know, I think people see those angles all the time. They don't see your angle about dealing with this Buffalo Bills guy. Just like you know, down to like a personal level. Uh, yeah. Getting to know an individual, individual getting to know you as a person. Uh, like most of the guys say when we see them half the time, man, I just got a name. I just got a name with a couple of dollars on it. Like that's pretty much it. And they keep it real. You know, most of them come from where we come from. So, mm -hmm. you know, they understand. And then, to, you know, just to be here for so many years and to build a relationship with people within the staff, it's just fun, it's a fun experience. Talk about the Sean McDermott regime, and obviously now that Josh Allen is here, this team's a lot different than the teams that were here when you started, you know, back in 09, 2010. You know, these are a lot more talented guys, a lot more exciting guys. But from your end, has it changed at all about how they dealt with you at all? Yeah, pretty much um, like a team aspect. Uh, you see the team more together. Before, guys used to be all spaced out and coming in when they want to. And, now it's like they're like a unit, and uh, Sean brought a, a, something to this region, you know, to bring the bring the bring. I guess I'm gonna say bring the communities together and bringing people together as one, and he did it with his team. For you guys, um, talk about this job. Like, what what is your job? How are you support? How do you support this team? How do you keep this camp running for the three weeks they're here? So pretty much, my job is to pretty much keep the grounds and the locker room clean. Mm -hmm. So I got crews of guys, and we ride around, we clean up, make sure the camp is clean, and. Uh, I did enjoy it and got uh, some, you know, exceptional experience for the fan. You got a story or got a favorite guy that you've talked to, someone you've gotten to know over the years or something that's happened where a player or a coach has said, thanks for this or can you do this or anything like that? You know, I got like, I got like a whole list, but you know, my top two guys of all time would be uh, Shaq Lawson, uh, Tyrod Taylor, EJ Manuel, and uh, the final list off, you know, Shady McCoy, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Coy was always open and willing to talk. Um, and, you know, can't forget about Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. You know, first year here, you know, we thought he wasn't going to talk to anybody, but he really opened up. But the whole team as a whole, to see these guys grow up, you know, it's really amazing. Tyrod Taylor is one I want to ask you about. What about Tyrod made him unique and special when he was here? Just uh, the, able to, the, the, just the communication to both the Buffalo community and the Rochester community um, mm -hmm. as a whole, uh, the guy took the time to, talk to people and get to know people. 
at Dual Bounds, everybody. This is a man who, if you see him here at camp, say hello. He'll say hello to you. He knows everything. He's been here. He's seen it all. Glad to get you on for a few minutes here on our podcast, man. Thanks for joining us. You man. It was great to have camp back at Fisher. As someone who's from Rochester, it's always a little feather in our city's cap to have the Bills here for three weeks. Fisher, once again, did an A1 job putting it all together, minus Carl's turkey burger oversight. Hopefully we'll address that at some point. But it was, I mean, the weather was perfect. We had a little bit of spritz of rain, two days that were um, unbearably hot. But other than that, had a really, really great session. And I think a good time was had just about by all. Now. We start taking football a little more serious. There's a game on Saturday. This program will be seen again in its normal form, Buffalo Game Day Recap, starting sometime uh, probably be week three because we usually yeah. do game day recap after the night games. But you will be able to see myself and A.J. Carl, too, talking about the Bills, recapping games, doing everything you've seen right here at RochesterFirst.com and on Spotify, of course. That will conclude our coverage of Bills Camp 2022. This season may end in a Super Bowl. I think it's been a Super Bowl worth of coverage. Fellas, thanks for all your help. My name is Thad Brown for Carl Jones, AJ Feldman. Thanks for watching at RochesterFirst.com. Thanks for listening at Spotify. We'll see you in the regular season.